maybe by a show of hands, who's familiar with the song from Sunday school? Oh, Don's already got his hand up. <laughs> song from Sunday school, running over, running over, my cup is full and running over. Since the Lord saved me, I'm as happy as can be. My cup is full and running over. I was thinking a bit about that song. Obviously, you can see my title up there, What Fills Your Cup. Um, and, uh, you know, in that song, it's not explicitly clear what my cup is full and running over. We've got a cup, it's full, it's running over, but is it with love? Is it with joy? Is it with the Spirit? Is it with uh, Jesus filling our lives? It's not quite ex explicitly said in the song. So maybe a side thought about what, to always think about what it is that we're singing and uh, to put some thought into it. This morning, I want to ask the question, what fills your cup? And the key verse that we're going to be in is Ephesians uh, 5, uh, verse 18. What fills your cup? Um, perhaps uh, you're sitting here today and you say, I, I, you know what, my cup actually doesn't feel quite full. Um, you know, it feels a little bit empty. Uh, you find yourself sometimes saying, man, I'm drained. I've got nothing left. It's, uh, you know, there's maybe some drops left. Um, and uh, I don't know, I guess uh, I, I sometimes feel that way myself, and perhaps you can relate. Um, so do you ever feel empty? Do you find yourself saying, I feel drained? Um, well, I've got one of these. I should use it. Let's see if it works. Whoops. I pushed the wrong direction. They told me which way to push it, and I did it wrong anyways. Uh, so perhaps a better question or a different question that we could ask similar to that of what of what fills your cup is what fuels you? You know, we have a sign very similar to this one hanging in our kitchen. Uh, all I need today is a little bit of coffee and a whole lot of Jesus in terms of trying to think about what fuels us. Um, sometimes I think I get this reversed and, uh, you know, I need a little bit of Jesus and a whole lot of coffee. And maybe that's not that's the wrong attitude. Uh, I think the, what the saying up there is is the more accurate uh accurate statement, but sometimes I do uh, get that uh, confused. But uh, what sustains you? What, what is it that sustains you in life? Uh, hopefully it's not merely a whole lot of coffee um, that sustains you. Um, perhaps we can think about when we ask the question of what sustains you, we can say, you know, what is, what is your, uh, your raison d'etre or your, your mission statement? You know, something that, uh, what is it that drives you, your driving force? Um, or perhaps a third way of looking at this, uh, in a professional context, and this is from a training course I just did recently, um, that uh, the, the course specifically said, take some time to fill your own tank up or to fill up your own cup. Um, and they were trying to encourage um, specifically managers to not focus all their time on work, that you need to do some of the stuff to fill yourself back up. Um, Take time to fill your own tank and, you know, do work activities, do the work activities that, uh, that you get energy out of. Um, so, um, this morning, we're going to kind of look at what fills our tank. How do we fill our tank? What is our tank filled with? Uh, what fills us up? What fuels us? Uh, what fills our cup? Um, I'll pull up the next slide. It's probably really small. Um, you can read along with me in Ephesians 5. Um, so Ephesians 5 has been on my mind for quite a while. Um, they say the best passage is the one you're studying, and we've been looking at Ephesians 5 quite a lot during the Meaning of Marriage seminars here at the chapel over the last number of weeks. So I found myself in Ephesians 5 um, just kind of going over it and over it. 
And, uh, and I, I got hooked on that sentence. I want to put in red right in the middle of the screen there, be filled with the spirit. And I just kind of asked myself, well, what, what is that? That, that kind of looks like a command. And if it's a command, it's probably something that I should pay attention to. Um, so, uh, yeah, let, let's read it. We're going to read uh, most of Ephesians 5, so uh, at least the first, uh, the first half of it. And just I'm reading out of the New King James. On the slide is um, the ESV uh, for the most part. Um, so I kind of jump between two versions. So you'll, uh, you'll hear one version as I read from my Bible. You'll see another version at various times um, that uh, is up on the screen. So, uh, therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. And walk in love, as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. And then down to verse 32, this is a great mystery, just skipping over the, the passage on submission, but, he, but Paul wraps it up here. Um, in verse 32, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Uh, before we go any further, let's open with a word of prayer. God, we thank you for uh, your word. We thank you that it is uh, living and breathing and active. And we just pray that uh, we would be, um, as we sit under your word and as we delve into it, that you would guide our hearts, guide our thoughts, and uh, may it uh, change us. Um, and may you uh, just uh, fill us this morning with uh, just an appreciation of you, and may we be um, servants of you that follow you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
All right, so I've up on the slide, I have highlighted a number of areas that are commands throughout, and we're going to hit on some of these. Um, so, but really, I want to focus around the idea of being filled with the Spirit. Be filled. So, I ask a question here is it a continual or is it a one time event? What exactly are we speaking about? Are we not filled with the Holy Spirit? I, I thought when I came to the Lord, I was filled with the Holy Spirit. Why is Paul here telling me to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Uh, I, didn't that happen once? Why am I being told to be filled with the Holy Spirit now? Uh, is it a one-time event as per my salvation? Or is it a continual event? Is it something that continues through our life? The first thing I want to take note of the fact is that it is written in the present tense. And so, yes, I think it is definitely something that is a continual process. We're not talking about a one-time event. We're not talking about the event in Acts, for example, when the Holy Spirit came on the believers. Um, we're not looking at Ephesians 4.30. If we go back to the previous uh, chapter, just two verses back from where we started, or three, I guess, where we, we, we read... And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So clearly in the passage before, Paul is telling us, yes, we were sealed by the Holy Spirit. That has happened. That was a one-time event. When we came to know the Lord, we were sealed by the Holy Spirit. Uh, but now we have something here that is different than the sealing of the Holy Spirit. Paul is telling us to be filled uh, with the Holy Spirit. Second of all, you'll see this passage, uh, it's addressed uh, to believers. Uh, we're told to be imitators of God as dear children, um, that we are told that it's a, uh, see then that you walk circumspectly, do not be unwise. This is not talking to unbelievers. This is talking uh, to believers. And so clearly it's not a one-time event saying, hey, get the Holy Spirit, get saved. Uh, it's a continual event. It's part of the Christian life. And so I would put out there that if it is part of the Christian life, then it's something that we should pay attention to. Um, we would do well to know what it means. And really, that's, that was my goal in studying this passage. I was trying to set out to see what exactly does that mean? That, that, that phrase kind of stuck, and I was trying to figure out what that, that was. So yes, it is addressed uh, to believers. So I guess as an aside, if you're here this morning and you're not a believer, then I would encourage you to go back to uh, Ephesians 4.30, talking about being sealed by the Holy Spirit, getting the Holy Spirit, um, getting salvation. Uh, but here this morning, we're, we're talking to believers. We're talking about part of the Christian life. And so uh, this is not a, um, a how to fill your cup for the entire world. This is a how to have your cup filled, I guess, so to speak, uh, for believers. Uh, the other thing I want to look at is the fact that it's a command. Be filled. It's an, it's, it's an imperative. Um, in the Greek, in fact, it is something that is uh, called a present passive imperative. I did not come up with that. I stumbled on it, and I thought that was really cool, and I then sent me down another rabbit hole, which I will take you down with me. Um, so in the Greek, the format of this, of this um, phrase, be filled, is a present, uh, passive, 
imperative. So what does that mean? So in the, it, it is a present tense command. If you were to translate it literally, it would say, keep on being filled. Keep on being filled. Or very literally, it would be, be being kept filled. Be being kept filled with the Spirit. So it has an idea of an ongoingness. It is definitely an ongoing command. That said, it is also in a passive imperative. What in the world is a passive imperative? I will pull up, oh man, that's small. Um, I will pull up 10 passive imperatives from the New Testament. I will read through some of these so that uh, I really should come to the chapel and project it first to see my font size before I do this. Uh, but we're going to look at 10, uh, real quick, 10 passive imperatives in the New Testament, which will give you an idea of what a passive imperative is. Essentially, a passive imperative, as it implies, is something that is done to us but yet it is an imperative because it requires a certain response it requires two parties there is an a plus b component uh, to each of these um, the first one i'll start with is from acts 240 and we read in acts 240 and with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them saying save yourselves or be saved from this crooked generation so that is a passive imperative. It is, it is a command. Be saved. That's what, the, that's what was being said there. Be saved. But obviously, we know that we cannot save ourselves. So that's where the passive portion of it. It requires both parties, an A and a B. We re it requires God. Uh, Philippians 2, 12 to 17 uh, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my presence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Um, God does that work in us, but without violating our free will. Man is not passive, and we've talked about this previously. I spoke on salvation a number of months ago, maybe two months ago. Um, man is not passive in sanctification, in salvation, the work of salvation. There is still a responsibility in which the, the person who would come to Christ um, is to let go of themselves and let Christ. Um, really, that's the gospel. Uh, the gospel is that of letting go of ourselves, recognizing the fact that I cannot despite all my best efforts, and I'm going to stop trying to save myself, God save me. Um, in a nutshell, um, that selfishness is, I think, the, the, the sin that encapsulates, um, that, encapsul that encapsulates the sinner, and it is letting go of self and casting ourselves on Christ. Um, that is salvation, but it requires still that response. There is still a response that, um, you know, God does not force salvation on us. And so we can see in the first example of be saved, save yourselves. Well, no, they can't save themselves, but they can. There is a letting, there is a allowing, there is a relying on God, there is a response needed. So it is passive because the only way that the person can be saved is to receive the salvation, but it is also, uh, 
but it is also imperative because it's a command. It's something that the person has to still respond to. Same thing goes with uh, the next one, be transformed. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. That's Romans 12 too. Um, and again, there's the idea here of both a passive imperative. There are certainly things that the person can do um, in terms of discerning and looking to, to do that kind of work, but really the, the work of renewing our mind or the, the work of transformation, that is God. We cannot transform our minds. That is not something that we can do. We cannot be transformed. We cannot renew our minds. We can certainly um, put ourselves in a, in, a, in a place where God can work those out in us, but that requires, that's the imperative side. There is still the passive side. We are in a recipient, in receipt of it. The, transfer, the transformation is not our own doing, but it's the work of the Holy Spirit. But we nonetheless have a real responsibility in the matter. Uh, we are to let ourselves be transformed. We respond to the leading and the pressure of, the, of God's spirit. Um, the, uh, the British theologian Charles Cranfield put it this way. Um, this, is to, this is to be active passive. It means I am here, Lord, to let you do it. Let shows the active, but you do it shows the passive. To the Lord, it is active, but to me, it is passive. We must be an active, passive person. So I hope that helps. Um, I won't go through all the other ones. Actually, I'll go through them real quick, but just not in as much detail. The idea of be reconciled. Therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Again, it requires an A plus B. You can't just be reconciled on your own. That's not something that you go out and do. I'm going to go and get myself reconciled. There is an A plus B component um, where there is an active and a passive side of it. And again, the active is God. The passive is the believer. Um, be enlarged. Uh, in return, I speak as to children, widen your hearts or be enlarged also. Again, the widening of our hearts is not us widening our hearts. It is a work of God. It is a trans part of the transformation. Uh, be separated. Therefore, go out from their midst and be separate from them. Uh, in that case, it still t it takes two parties. You cannot be separate on your own. You have to be separate. It takes a second person, a second group to be separated. Um, aim for restoration. Again, restoration is not a single... Um, it's not a single... Um, it doesn't happen on your own. It takes an A and a B. Um, and we get to be filled, be perfected, be empowered. So be strong in the Lord. Uh, be humbled. Humble yourself. Um, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. It is we humble ourselves, but it still takes God for us to be humbled beneath. Uh, be holy. We cannot make ourselves holy. We are made holy. There is an A plus B component. And so we get to this passage here in, uh, in Ephesians, in which we are told to be filled. And we hit, on, we hit upon this present, I'm going to have to read it again, this present passive imperative. 
We are told it's continual to keep on being filled or to be being filled. And it is a command, it is imperative, but it's also one in which it is passive. Um, the, the work is done uh, by the Holy Spirit. It is not something that we necessarily just do. We don't go and fill ourselves up. I'm feeling empty, time for a fill up. We don't just go and go to the tank. Um, we rely on the Holy Spirit, but we need to be um, willing uh, vessels. In all of these, I used a bunch of words. I used words such as allow, um, let. Um, there's an attitude that comes from it. So that is the part, that is our response. That is the passive side of it. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to fill us. We need to let God work in us. And so I'll just say, hang on to that word let, um, and we'll, we'll keep going from there. So we are looking for how we can be filled. The first thing we recognize is the fact that we don't do the filling, we do the letting. Again, I apologize for my grammar. I'm, I feel a bit like Dr. Seuss this morning. I've got uh, these different, we do the letting, um, but that's what we do. We do the letting. Um, we look in uh, verse four, let there be no foolish talk. That is something that we, we do. We let that be. We let there be no foolish talk. We let there be thanksgiving. We let no one deceive uh, us with empty words. Um, if we go to, and that's super small, but I think it gets bigger in a second. Or do I need to click? I thought I put a three second timer. It's gonna be a real good effect. Eh, there it is, okay. Um, so if we go to Colossians, Colossians chapter three um, is a very similar passage to the one in Ephesians. It, it, it follows a lot of the similar format. In fact, I've highlighted in yellow almost the exact same passages uh, in which it talks about uh, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And then on the, on the Ephesian side, it says, and be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. And we see these two passages that are very similar. The exact, almost the same phrasing is used. In fact, the, the structure of the, of the chapter follows along. And right afterwards, it goes into a passage on rules for Christian households, for wives and husbands and Ephesians, rules for Christian households in Colossians. And you kind of go, well, what's all that doing together? Well, it comes back to the idea. And this, I was, so I was, when I first set out to, to, to speak on this passage, I was going to try to land in that end there talking about submission. Um, but you can see that submission comes out of it, and we'll get to that near the end. Um, but this passage, all of this comes together with the idea of being filled uh, with the Spirit. If you look at Colossians, Colossians doesn't say, however, be filled with the Spirit. It has a different wording. And it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Again, the idea of letting. Um, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And I'll put a bit of a, of a hint here of, as to where we're headed in terms of being filled with the spirit. And I think that we could say that as a, as a component of being filled with the spirit comes the idea of letting the word of Christ 
dwell in us richly. And if you're going to take away one thing from today, perhaps I would leave that one thought with you. So I know sometimes it's hard to catch everything that's said on a Sunday, but if you're going to put one thing in your mind and say, this is what was talked about today at church or earlier last week at church or whatever, when you think about trying to remember what was said at church and you've already moved on to your lunch, um, I would leave this one thing with you. That if you are to be filled with the Spirit, a big component of it is letting, but more importantly, letting the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That if we let the word of Christ dwell in us richly, that if we, if we delve into the word of God for what it is, and not just a book that sits on our shelves, but one that is active and living and has the word of life in it, that we will find ourselves being filled with the Spirit. So that is the one thing that I would say that if you're going to take away and you're going to snooze again, hopefully I've brought everybody back's attention here, be filled with the Spirit. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Okay. All right. So how can we be filled? Going back to that idea, well, we went through the first point. We don't do the filling we do the letting. The second one is that we don't do the filling, but we do the prepping. There's a bunch of verses I've put up there, and there's probably more in this passage. I'll just uh, stop on a few of these. Uh, the first is in verse 1, and again, it comes up in verse 21, and again in 32. Um, the idea of imitating God, therefore be imitators of God as dear children. Um, verse 21 um, submitting to one another in the fear of God. And then it talks about submission as what Christ did. So again, the idea of imitating God, verse 32, I speak concerning Christ and the church. And so we're given models and we're told to imitate God. And so uh, that is one way in which we can do the prepping is that we base ourselves on the Lord Jesus. If we follow what the Lord Jesus did, if we set Jesus as our example, as our guide, um, we are setting ourselves, if I could put it that way, on a path um, for um, a life that is filled uh, by the Spirit. Same with walking in love. And I think that one is quite obvious, verse 2, and walk in love as Christ has loved us. It's not just walking in love. and It's walking in love as Christ. Again, the idea of imitating God. And there's a whole passage um, three through eight and verse 11, talking about the unfruitful works of darkness, have nothing to do with it. Rid yourselves. Um, don't even let these things be named among you. Um, so get these out. Uh, there's, therefore, do not be partakers with them. The idea here is that we would rid ourselves of sin. Uh, we cannot be filled with the Spirit when we fill our lives with sin. Um, it kind of stands to reason, you, you know, you're, you're filling your life with sin. Well, that's going to be crowding out the Holy Spirit. We need to start by having a clean vessel, getting that uh, prepping done. Again, the idea that we don't do the filling, we do the prepping. So we clean house, we prep uh, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, walk as wise, we are told, redeeming our time. We use our time uh, wisely. Um, we have a lot of time, and I, I would just put it out there that, you know, we don't, we are not filled 
by the Holy Spirit by accident. It is not something that just comes to us while we're watching TV and all of a sudden I feel filled by the Spirit. There is a prepping, they're using our time, redeeming our time. And I'm not knocking watching TV on occasion, you know, there's sometimes you just need to just, I get it, veg out for a half hour or whatever. But if that is our bulk of our time, is that if, if we are not spending any time again in God's word, if we're, if we're just using our time and killing it, we're not redeeming our time. We are not prepping ourselves. We're not preparing ourselves, living a life in which we can be filled uh, by the Spirit. So, um, in fact, you know, it, it says walk as wise. There is something, you know, I think when we don't redeem our time, we are walking as foolish. Um, so we are to walk as wise and redeem our time. Um, be in control, right? Before we get to... Uh, to being filled with the spirit, it says, and do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation. And I take away two things from that one. One is to be in control. Um, we must not let uh, things around us control us. And I'm gonna expand a little bit further and su suggest that yes, while it's talking about uh, being drunk with wine and alcohol, that it is not exclusively to that we do not want to be in control of things that control us and we can let things control us we can let our emotions control us um, we can um, let various things uh, into our lives that control us we can let video games control us uh, we again going the idea of redeeming the time but we are if we are not in control of ourselves if things become an addiction um, things that are taking the place of the Holy Spirit, it is those things that are taking control. And we are not in a position to be able to let the Spirit take control. I would also draw from that the idea of going to our go-tos, our go-to fillings, whatever that is. You know, alcohol in a lot of cases can be a lot of people's go-to. You know, it's their, it's their, it's their emergency release. It's their escape. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it can be a really bad addiction and it draws you and it, it, it is your go-to. But I think we can have go-tos in things that are even less harmful on the surface than alcohol. Um, when we're looking for various things that can bring us, um, bring us, um, satisfaction, you know, our go-to can be just our family or it could be our service. We can dump ourselves into our service and say, you know what, this is what's bringing me the energy. It's me dumping myself into the service. And, you know, we can spiritualize it and say, yeah, I'm following the spirit. But sometimes we're just doing it in our own, uh, in our own strength and in our own abilities. And so I think that verse 18 is telling us to be careful of our go-tos, our previous lives, what we, what we would have, you know, what the world would uh, what, what we would put into the world. Um, and we need to be careful not to go to our own go-to fillings. Um, so how can we be filled? Well, one, we, do the, we don't do the filling, we do the letting. And two, we don't do the filling, we do the prepping. And just the idea that we do both letting and prepping. So now we've kind of looked a bit at that, but what does it look like? What does it look like to be filled with the Spirit? I've put up there a couple of verses. So the, the Greek word that is used 
uh, in this passage, uh, be filled with the Spirit, and you can go to Strong. Strong's is a great tool, by the way, if ever you're studying a passage and you're trying to figure out what does it mean. Um, Strong's has, you know, a, a, it, it takes you to the Greek. It tells you a bit about how the word is used. Uh, there's really three main ways in which the word filled is used in the New Testament. The first one is kind of, it's, it's literal. It's a literal fullness to the point of breaking or a pressure as in a wind in a sail, full of wind. It's to that point, or perhaps you could think of a balloon um, where it's so full, you kind of, you're at that point and you go, is it going to pop? Um, it is a fullness to that degree. It is an it is used to describe the nets um, that the fishermen brought in um, after they cast them on the other side. The disciples cast them on the other side, and they were full. They were full to the point of breaking. Um, sails full of wind. Um, there is the idea here of, of a pressure. And so I would put it out here that being full of the Spirit has this idea of a steering pressure, a pressure that motivates us, that moves us, that propels us uh, in a certain direction, that um, in order to be spirit-filled, that we are not driven and motivated by our own desires or our own will or our own progress, but instead we're letting the Holy Spirit, again, the idea of letting, we are letting the Holy Spirit uh, carry us or propel us into the proper direction. Uh, so we are turning to the Spirit uh, to move us along. Um, that is the first way in which um, the word is used. Ooh, I went too fast. The second way that it's used is in the words fulfill. Um, we think about Jesus fulfilling various passages of the New Testament. Um, but it's using the same, the same word in which Jesus fulfills all of these Old Testament passages. The same word is used uh, to describe um, being full of the Spirit or being fulfilled in the Spirit, which I found very interesting that the same word would be used there twice. I've got up there a bit of a, you know, those liquid diffusers that you put into your, your drink, and very soon the entire liquid is of the same color and taste. You know, you do just a very small squirt and you've got that, uh, that uh, water, it is now a, a flavored water. Um, just the idea um, that fulfilling can also have the idea of fully diffused or imbued into it. Um, or, or to put it another way, to completely embody. And so when we think about Jesus, um, fulfilling scripture, literally, Jesus is completely embodying uh, scripture. He is the personification um, of that scripture. He has completely embodied it. And so I would put out there that being filled in the spirit is also being fulfilled in the spirit. It is, it's us embodying who God wants us to become. Um, we become spirit-driven, we become spirit-diffused, uh, if, if it were, as it were. Um, there is a complete embodiment of who God wants us uh, to be. The third way that the word is used in the New Testament is the idea of being filled with an emotion. 
a complete controlling. It is used for when um, when uh, the uh, the Pharisees were filled with rage, uh, just the idea of filled with rage or filled with jealousy, filled or sorrow has filled your heart. The idea of filled, in which the person is now fully motivated, completely driven by what they have been, the emotion that they have been filled with. They are filled with anger and that's motivating them. There's nothing left. It's just there, there, pure anger or pure jealousy or pure sorrow. Um, there's nothing. It's, it's total control, the emotion that is driving their motivation. And I think here the idea of total control comes into play as well when we look at being filled with the spirit that we are to be yielding ourselves yielding our external circumstances being filled with the spirit is a yielding and a giving control to god total control and so in those three illustrations we have the idea of what it is to be filled with the spirit one that we are allowing the spirit to propel us and to drive us one that the spirit comes to allow us to really embody who we are to be in Christ. And third, that we have total control, so that we are totally controlled by the Spirit. So what is the outcome? What is the outcome? Well, we look, in, we look through here, we can look right beyond verse 18 to verse 19 of, but filled with the Spirit, comma, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. And then going into a whole passage on submitting. And I would pull from here that the outcome of being filled with the Lord, with the Spirit is is joy and praise that we would be you know it was great to sit here and sing praise but how much praise do we have in our day-to-day lives uh, throughout the week um, are we characterized uh, by joy are we characterized by thankfulness are we giving thanks always for all things to god the father in the name of our lord jesus christ that's something that marks us Prayer and fellowship, we see speaking to one another in psalm, in songs. It's not just songs to the Lord, but we're also speaking to one another. We can't help but be um, just excited, and we're having these conversations. What are you reading? What you know? And if I'm going to be honest, you know, can I say that this fully characterizes me? You know, and I, I, I think it does not fully characterize me. It's something that I would love to characterize me. Um, but I, and I think. Perhaps I would put it out to each of you. Does that characterize uh, you? Um, an attitude of submitting to God and submitting to one another. Are we in prayer and fellowship? Are we always thankful? Do these things mark us? Um, and if, if not, then perhaps we should be looking at whether or not we are letting the Holy Spirit uh, be in us and whether we are preparing ourselves whether or whether there are things that are preventing of the Holy Spirit uh, from being in us. So I guess just some concluding thoughts. So would you consider yourself as being filled with the Spirit? Are you, are you keeping on being filled 
Are you letting God and preparing for God as well? Are you letting God's spirit direct and infuse your life or are you blown about by your own emotions and whims? Is your life marked by the fullness of the spirit, which is joy, praise, thankfulness, intimacy, letting the word of Christ dwell in you richly, prayer, fellowship with one another in submission? I guess that's the question that I would ask myself as well. Is this my, is this my life? Is my life marked by these things? And um, I guess my prayer is that each of our lives would be marked by a direction that is spirit-filled, that is spirit-led, and that we would just take a look at this command to be filled and put some thought into it. What does it mean to be filled? Am I filled? What fills my cup? Is that, is this, does the Spirit fill my cup? And am I letting the Holy Spirit lead my life? Uh, let's close in a word of prayer. God, we just pray that you would lead us. We pray that we would look to you for our sustenance, that we would look to you um, for uh, just when we feel uh, empty, perhaps, when we feel drained, that we realize that nothing else satisfies. And we just pray that uh, we would be willing vessels, uh, vessels that would be looking to your Holy Spirit to fill, to, to guide, to lead, um, and that we would just reflect the people that you would have us to be. And uh, we just pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.